Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have one of my good friends, Jason Fulham. I'll let him introduce himself in a little bit. This is the very first time we're able to have a conversation on this podcast, like in person. Usually it's over Zoom. Um, but so I'm really excited about this. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for being here. Um, if you want to real quick, just go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself and uh, who is Jason Fulham for those that may not know you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so my name is Jason Fulham, as the great Pastor John also said just a few minutes ago. Um, I am the Macomb Director for Youth for Christ East Michigan, which means I get the opportunity to serve with our schools uh, when they're normally in session, but even now that they're not in session, uh, 16 schools in Macomb County, I get to oversee and supervise our core clubs that meet at those schools. Um, I'm also an avid comic book reader, yeah. love bowling. Um, I'm the dad to a little six-year-old named Jackson. My wife, Shelly, we live in the New Haven area. And um, I love Jesus. Like, what got you in the comic books? You know, I often never get asked that question, so I'm so glad to get asked that. Actually, uh, at the age of five, uh, my dad, who has always read comic books, um, at the age of five, I was struggling in my reading, um, just learning, you know, learning the semantics of reading and things like that. And so my dad started bringing comic books to help me read, like kid kid friendly comics at the time. And that actually helped me read. And I just love looking at the pictures. And that took off from age five till age now. Um, they, they, yeah, so that, that became a major part of my life. What was your first comic book? Do you remember? Oh, my gosh, I do. Actually, it was a vintage X-Men number six. 1967 wow. oh, maybe yeah. it was one of my dad's i remember it like totally wow that's funny yeah. i remember that but yeah it was vintage it had to go right back in the plastic but yeah vintage do you still have it or? i somewhere yeah. i have a i have like eight foot lockers full of comic books wow. yeah uh, that we've saved. Over I don't years. think I ever knew that, that that you got into comics. Yeah, you know, just that, I, I don't reading. know that I've ever really yeah. shared that. So yeah. it's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Did you grow up here in Michigan? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. I grew up in Detroit. Um, lived in Detroit all my life. My parents didn't attend church. My grandmother did, and so she would take us, as many grandmothers do, she take us to church every Sunday morning, and we go to Sunday school. And you know, I kind of I liked it. I like learning about the Bible. So obviously, you know, David and Goliath, yeah. Samson, very super hero like yeah, yeah. and um I, you know i just enjoyed that time and love detroit you know love growing up in detroit and as i got into college that's where my life really changed um struggled a lot with depression and anxiety throughout my teen years and then as i got into college i began struggling a lot with school um, I just, my first semester of college, I just wasn't picking up school like I should have. And at that point in my life, I, I kind of stopped going to church. You know, I go every now and again, but I wasn't going like I was as a kid to Sunday school. Yeah. One particular day, I, I decided instead of taking my organic chemistry test, um, I just went bowling. Um, in addition to comic books at age five, ironically, that's something I started doing at that age also is bowling. I've been bowling most of my life. Um, and so I decided to go bowling just to kind of clear my head. And I met the bowling alley and there was a, a gentleman right around my age and an older guy. And I, I just started, I just felt this need to strike up a conversation. So I struck up a conversation with both of them. And it turns out the conversation with the guy closer to my age just carried on for about two hours because he began talking about Jesus. And Jonah, 
Honestly, he talked about Jesus in a way I'd never heard somebody my age talking about Jesus. Now, we, you know, I was, I was 19, 20 at the time. And uh, so he looked at me and he said, okay, you know, uh, hey, we're going to be kind of continuing this uh, Bible study or you know, what we were having at the time. Well, it was a Bible study. We're gonna continue, would you want to continue this conversation at uh, my house? And I was like, sure. You know, it's kind of awkward. And you didn't know this guy? No, yeah. no. He, but he was inviting me. And uh, I said, okay. And then he goes, well, uh, it's at 21 Mile and Fairchild. Now, growing up in Detroit, I lived at 8 Mile in Wyoming. I didn't know there was a 21 Mile. I thought it kind of stopped at 14 Mile. It was about as far north as I'd ever been. And so I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe I will. So I kind of gave that pat answer. So the night came. It was a Sunday night. And they called them cell groups at the time. C-E-L-L groups. Life groups, basically. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I remember he called me on a landline. And you know it's going down if somebody calls you on a landline. This predates cell phones a little bit. Yeah. And I answered the phone. And he said, you know, hey, are you coming? I was like, well, I don't know how to get there. He's like, oh, you just take I-94. And I'm like, to the airport? Like, because in my mind, I'd never gone that way. Um, and I remember that night it was raining really hard and I, I did go and I went and it was a great, it was at somebody's house and there was about eight or nine young adults there and they were, you know, you they, didn't know any of them. I didn't know any of them other than his name was Eric, who I met in the bowling alley and they were singing worship songs. It was, I was a little uncomfortable. It was kind of the first time I'd really been outside of my racial group. Um, and so I didn't really know what to expect. And, um, afterwards I got in the car and I was driving home and I just kind of felt this unsettled feeling. I didn't know what it was. Well, I would find out the next Sunday when I went back. So same sort of situation, went back, enjoyed a great time in worship. People were sharing stories about how God changed their life. And I remember coming back home and I felt this emptiness and I couldn't describe it. Now, part of my story is I grew up with an alcoholic mom. And, um, you know, my dad was there, but my parents were divorced. So I had a lot of things going on in my family. I wasn't doing well in school, but I felt this emptiness. And I got home and it was 2.45 in the morning. And I knelt on my knees on the side of my bed, October 14, 2020, a little over 20 years ago now. Um, and I asked the Lord, I didn't know what to pray. I just said, God help me. And I will never forget that moment. You know, I always envisioned something like that would happen in front of a group. But for me, it happened at the side of my bed. And I, and I just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I, and I was praying to him. And, and, and I felt, I said, my life is about to start over now. And sure enough, it did. That that was that was my my life moment change. I called Eric, and he he was so it was like you know that time of morning. He's like, what, what, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "God just changed my life." I was so excited. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And um, later that week, he began a mentorship with me that lasted for a year. We met every Friday morning, five a.m. at Denny's on Hall Road, and talked about God's word. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. As you shared your story, I, I remember some of the stuff because you've told me before. Yes, but yes. yeah, I was the same way. I was. At, in my bedroom, right by my yes. bed on the floor. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy because, like, a lot of times you hear about, like, people coming to Jesus in a church or, like, religious setting. But, like, I guess, like, for me and you, it was like, the Lord's like, no, I'm going to find you where you're at. Right, right. Yeah. And I don't know if you felt this, but that I didn't really know what to do with it. Yeah. But I knew I needed to do yeah. something yeah. with it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, there's that, that initial, like, okay, I know I need to surrender. It's just like that. It's, it's, it, I don't know. It sounds weird, but it's like when you're about to vomit and you <laughs> you know, like, something's about to happen. You feel the water rushing yeah, in your yeah, People yeah. at home are, like, grossed yeah. out. But, yeah, you feel the water yeah. rushing in your mouth and you know You, you feel good. that buildup. You that's feel that, good. all that just gunk. 
and yes. that you know you're just like I'm done like I can't go forward with where I was like yes. there needs to be a change and I want you to be the center yeah that's yeah. really awesome so you so you grew up in Detroit now uh, didn't you move away for college wasn't it Chicago? I did um, uh, no actually I went to the U- University of Detroit Mercy okay, okay. Um, and I actually uh, pursued a medical degree which in four years I eventually got so I have a um, yeah. I majored in biology, minored in biochemistry, and I'm a pastor. It's kind of well, the I would never thing. know. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, I don't want him as my doctor. But I really thought that that was what I wanted to do at the time. I just knew I wanted to help people. And, and you know, obviously later on, God just opened some doors and revealed to me that he had me on a different path. And even then, you know, I'd gone through discipleship and um, I moved from after I graduated college, got my degree, I moved from Detroit and I moved to Shelby Township and I felt this tugging on my heart that God was calling me into ministry. And I was at 1996, uh, a live Christian music festival, uh, and I was worshiping and I could feel just spirit to spirit, not audible voice, but spirit to spirit. Like God was like, you, you're called into ministry. And I was like, well, no. You mean I got to stand up in front of people and talk? I just I just could not see myself. And, and slowly but surely, as God will always do, he revealed to me that that was what my calling was. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after that, you know, I began taking ministerial classes and uh, got hired on at a church in Washington Township. I was there for 10 years and then took a leap of faith four years ago um, to Youth for Christ East Michigan, yeah. where I serve right now. So growing up, you, did you ever think anything about ministry? Was that ever on Not your radar? Not all. You know, as I said earlier, I went to Sunday school. You know, I enjoyed church. Um, I was very, people are kind of surprised by this. I was very shy in school. Yes. Yes. I just didn't really talk a lot. And now you can't shut me up, especially when it's about Jesus. I got to talk. Um, And so I I never would have imagined it. Can I tell a quick story? It's pretty cool. So as I said earlier, I graduated with a biology degree and about a couple of years back, um, uh, my roommate who also graduated with a biology degree um, and a couple of friends that we all graduated with got together, went went out for dinner in uh, Royal Oak. And it was really cool. We hadn't really connected, you know, we kind of loosely connected with each other over the years, but to all of us be together in the same place, you know, many of us are married, you know, kids and all that sort of thing. And it was so cool. So we're meeting at this restaurant. So we all sit down and I want to give you the pedigree of who was sitting at this table. You have a pharmacist, an endocrinologist, a microbiologist and a pastor. Sounds like a bad joke, right? And so it was so fun. So we sat down and we got to talking and, and, and I could feel kind of a... Uh, you know, like the elephant in the room. And so uh, one of the girls in the group, Nazneen, she goes, I got a question for you, Jason. I'm like, what? She's like, how did you become a pastor? And then and then uh, another, one of the other guys, he goes, and not only that, people actually trust you with their kids. And so and, and, and he said it in all good jest. Yeah. And I said to myself, you know what? Thank God I'm not the person I was, but I'm the person who God's growing me to be. And that was huge. And so I got a chance to educate them with how um, God has transformed my life. And two of them aren't necessarily walking with the Lord, but were very inspired to hear the story of how God has been working in my life. When you had that initial moment when you were like, all right, Lord, like, I don't know what, I don't know how, but I need you Mm -hmm. in in your, by, by your bed. And then you call up your friend. uh, Mm -hmm. What was his name again? Eric. Eric. You call up Eric and you're like, hey, and he's like, hey, let's, let's get together and talk. Mm -hmm. What is some of the paradigm shifts of what you thought God was or mm, Jesus was to good. what what he actually was? That's good. Um, in our discipleship pro- process, there was accountability. It was fabulous. And as we met, our first meeting, he told me, he said, I want you to bring a blue spiral notebook. 
And so we're, you know, talking about Jesus, talking about my experience that night and accepting the Lord and what have you. And I'm having this blue notebook sitting right here the whole time. I'm like, when is he going to bring that up? Well, he brought it up at the very end. He said, what I want you to do is start with the book of John. Go John all the way through. Read a chapter there, however much. And I want you, as you're reading, write down questions that you have about God. And I'm like, okay. Because in my mind, I'm like, we're going to sit here and answer some of these yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you by the by the, the end, and it took me a couple of weeks. Because yeah. there were a lot of things I didn't understand. And I wrote down all these questions about God. You know, why does God allow suffering? All the big questions. All the Why does God allow suffering? All the way down to, you know, why is the sky purple? Or why is the sky blue, not purple? Yeah, yeah. You know, all that sort of stuff. And so I can, I can remember him asking me, you know, so have you, have you pretty much questioned out at this point? And I said, yeah, I'll bring my notebook this coming week. And I was like, yes, we're going to sit. We're going to walk through them. So we sat down and I'm reading all the questions and I'm watching his face and he's making little notes and stuff. And again, keep in mind, Eric's like my age. It isn't like this was an older pastor or anything like that. He's writing down notes. And so at the very and you know i'm excited i was like where are we going to start and i even asked that question where are we going to start with these questions because I, I can't wait to find the answers and he said here's the question i have for you and i'm like uh-oh he goes so if god doesn't answer every one of those questions you wrote down you know good bad or indifferent then are you still going to trust him because i don't have all the answers and it, it, that struck me it struck me because I said, until this day, I think about some of those questions I wrote down and I don't have the answers to them, yeah, yeah. but there's some that I do. Yeah. There's some, you know, I was worried about, you know, who am I going to meet? Who's my future spouse going to be? You know, am I going to ever have kids? Am I going to live in Michigan? And God has answered many of those questions, but there are some questions that I don't have the answer to. And in that transparency, I'm okay with telling people I don't have the answer to that. But, you know, let's pray and seek the Lord and maybe he will reveal that answer. And so that was one of those next steps for me that was hard at first because, you know, I wanted to, I was like, I want to know why the sky's blue and not yeah. purple. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was so beneficial in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. So even not having all the answers to the questions that you had, you're like, Jesus is still worth yeah. it. And shortly after getting saved um, and coming to know the Lord, I lost my mom. Okay. And I'm telling you. It was it single-handedly the hardest experience I've ever been through. Um, she was uh, very young when she passed away, and it was through cirrhosis of the liver, just from alcohol poisoning, and it was very sudden. And um, I remember just grappling. I had a lot of anger towards God, and I, I expressed that, and I got it out and went to His Word. But I, I'm here to tell you, there is nothing that would have they could have gotten me through that, but the Lord. Nothing. I mean, anyone who's ever lost a loved one like that, you know, especially so close to them, they know there's there there was no answer, but I had to put my trust in Jesus, and I praise God that I was able to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from the process of where you were, you said you were 19 when you. Oh, you know, I got my years wrong, so I was a little older than that. I was 24. 24. Okay. Yeah, because I've been in college for a little bit with bad grades. So from 24 to going into the ministry to even discovering what ministry Mm -hmm. is, and literally 24 to 32. Okay. Yeah, that's about right. Wow. Because I didn't start and I wasn't in yeah. ministry until I turned 32. So yeah, yeah, I had some years of wandering. I still knew, you know, I accepted that's yeah. where God was calling me, but I still had some years of wandering. <laughs> Trying to figure out exactly where it is yes. that the Lord wanted you to yeah. go. And so from 32 to, to now where you're at, what has been some of the things that I guess the Lord's also been kind of showing and teaching yes. you the the paradigm shifts even yes. within that journey so far you know uh, and i love that that term journey because we're all on a journey yeah. and it's what's so cool about it we can learn from each other people watching this broadcast can learn 
what you know elements of a journey and it may not directly apply to them but there are some elements that can apply and i think god has been teaching me it's not the statement that came to mind as you asked that is it's not going to be how you think it needs to be you know it, it, it doesn't god has a plan jeremiah 29 11 right for i know the plan and he knows the plan. The problem is we want to know the plan and we want to know the plan in its entirety, whether it's who I'm going to marry, whether it's how many kids I'm going to have, whether it's what job am I going to have or what what am I going to do with my life or, uh, you know, when is COVID going to go, go away? When is, when is things going to come back to normal? God has that plan. It's up to us on this journey to trust in that plan. So I would say that, that I don't have all the answers and that God has continuously t- taught me that. Um, and also that, you know, are you willing to trust me in spite of those would be kind of the two definitive statements for me, um, that, that I think on this journey that God has been pretty, pretty articulate with. You can always kind of, when you're talking with somebody say like, you know, I know you've had moments where things didn't go the way uh, that you thought it was going to go. And then you have that smart guy, you know, especially with us working with students like, well, that's not the case for me or whatever. But this year, like. For sure, mm-hmm. every single person on this planet has been through something that they did not expect, mm-hmm. something that was outside of their control, outside of their you know plan, schedule, whatever. What has this journey been this year for you? Mm-hmm. What has been some of the things that, mm-hmm. that you've had to kind of walk through and, and process as you're, as yeah. you're continuing? You know, as we got into the heart of, of COVID and everything that this year brings, I found myself longing for a scripture that, that God could give me and then in my reading that I could get that, that, that hits the mark. And it isn't as we're in the latter half, well, two, two or three more weeks of, of, of 2020 that I finally got that scripture and it's Romans 12, 12. Okay. And it begins being joyful in hope, but the second part, patient in affliction. I had to unpack that because I, I was like, okay, well, God, why am I parking here? Why, why is this where I need to be? To have that patience to know that, God's got this, you know, and even around our offices, Youth for Christ, often we say that um, God's got this. God's got a handle on this. Um, but that journey for me has been ebbs and flows. And I think that's been for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like the cycle of grieving. You know, when, when, as with students, when we found out that we might have a few weeks off, remember that back in, take yourself back, back in March, we're going to have a few weeks off. Students are going to have a few days off back in early March. But then by what, May, we were like, I can't, I can't, <laughs> you know, I can't do this. But so it's kind of like that, that, that jubilancy. Oh, you know, we're going to have a little break. We'll be able to get in contact with, with family, which is all great and making the best of the moment. But then when that moment becomes longer than what we think it should be, that's when the rubber meets the road, you know, and I think in my journey, uh, the, as the length has increased, I found myself on more ebbs and flows days where it's just really great. And then days where I'm just like, you know, I'm a people person. I'm an extrovert. I want to be around people. I love this. I love that. I, I, I just, I love it. But you know, that isolation can creep in and again, seeking God and seeking his word. And I'm not perfect in it. I try to, but there are moments on that journey where I'm just like, Oh, I want this yeah. to end. I want to wake up. It's a dream, you know, Absolutely. so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah. There was a moment in May, I think, when um, when it started getting a lot worse than we all thought that it was going to go. Yeah, it was around the time that Italy, their death toll was just massive, and yes. there was just like mass graves. Yes, um, I think that's when it kind of just hit me, like, goodness gracious, like, what do we do? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I remember um, 
I remember being in my room and I had this little section in my closet It's kind of like a prayer closet uh, that I can just kind of get away. So I was sitting there in the closet and um, and I was just alone and I was just like, okay, God, like, like, where are you and where do I need to be? Like, mm-hmm. how do I process this? And, um, and just like sitting in there and just feeling the Lord just, just constantly say, I got you. I got yes. you. I got this. Yes. I got you. I got you. I got this. And there's a song um, by uh, by a band called Robbie Say Band, and uh, I never heard the song until that moment. The name of the song is the very last track of the album is "Go Outside," and in the song, it's just talking about how like go outside, see the wonder of like the stars in the sky, mm-hmm. and um, and how the Lord is inviting us into that process. And, and then there's a refrain in the chorus that says, "No one should be left out. Mm-hmm. No one should be left out." And I was just thinking about that during the middle of the pandemic, the middle of my questions, the middle of like my fear, my panic and my confusion and I guess all that chaos. And I was just like, God, you are still inviting us into this, this, this relationship with you and no one should be left out. And regardless of what's going on around or within, Lord, help me just be present of what you want to do, how you want to use me or use us. Um, but yeah, that's just a, that's just a memory that stands out to me of, uh, just this year. Um, I mean, there's so many other memories, but I kind of wanted to open up to you. Is there any memory that kind of stands out to you of this year of just how the Lord has met you in that journey, met you in that process, Mm -hmm. you know, that ebbs and flows, Mm -hmm. you know, I Mm -hmm. mean, um, you know, I guess my story, I guess it it has a happy ending in the sense that like the Lord kind of met me there, but not every story kind of has that, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so anyway, whatever whatever story it is, is there any story that stands you know? Out? It's actually there's there's a couple of them, but the one that really stands out, and I'm sure will be heavily relatable to your audience as we've all been there. You know, is just the fact that 2020 and, and as a year has just been so dramatically different on a lot of different fronts, and um, I think it's it's been interesting. You know, I was I was actually out of town for a week and came back. Um, and when I came back, I just felt this oppressiveness of I can't do this and Thanksgiving's going to be different and Christmas is going to be different. And why does it have to? I, I just kept just these yeah, yeah. thoughts were going yeah. through my mind. And literally, it wasn't until I began putting up Christmas decorations that I kind of broke through that and was reminded not only is I feel like Ebenezer mm-hmm. Scrooge right now, but like the the Christmas past of, you know, my, my little boy as he grew up and seeing all the ornaments as I'm putting them on the tree. And I was so thankful to God for having that moment of, of clarity, so to speak, yeah. versus just the mire, of, the mire of, oh, it's gotta be, why does it have to be different? Why do we have to be on lockdown? I wanna go out to a restaurant. I mean, we yeah. could sit here and listen a litany of, of, I don't wanna say complaints, but for lack of a better word, complaints yeah. Yeah. of the way we want it to be. But even in this podcast right now, I'm reminded of how like God has had me on a journey and I didn't know, you know, at age 16 that I was going to be a pastor. You know, I don't know right now at age 47 what next year looks like, but am I going to trust God? So I would say in answering that question, that moment, I don't want to say of clarity, but where I, I was reminded of the amazingness of God was, was just literally a couple of weeks ago putting the Christmas tree up. And, and, and I'm not like a Christmas decorator. I kind of do it because my wife wants to. I like it, but you know, we got one of those massive trees. It takes like 14 hours to put up with all the lights and all that. But I enjoyed every moment. It doesn't take 14 hours. Yeah, yeah. But, but I enjoyed every moment of doing that, you know, and making some traditions um, that otherwise I might not have had if not for COVID. You know, we're kind of forced into close quarters and into, um, you know, being with our families, which is a great thing. 
but we've got to think outside the box because for so long it's been electronics or it's been, well, you know what, I'll, I'll focus on this area or, you know, the average adult has to work 60 or 70 hours a week. Well, no, you don't now because you've got families and you've got things, you know, there, there's some there's things that are more important. And I think God revealing that um, is key. I got to share one quick yeah, story with you. Man. It's kind of like, and I love this, um, everybody knows a Charlie Brown Christmas, and if you don't out there, you need to watch it. They just recently brought it back on um, national uh, TV, which is great. And um, in, in the Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown has this little bitty Christmas tree that just literally, uh, the needles fall off of it every chance. He sets it down, falls off. Needles fall off all over the place. Well, there's one scene in in the, the cartoon where Charlie Brown sees, he's walking with his little tree in his hand like this, so it's about this tall, and he sees on Snoopy's house a giant Christmas bulb. And Snoopy's house is very decorated, you know, just adorned and everything. And he sees this giant Christmas bulb. Well, he looks at his tree. He looks at the giant Christmas bulb. And so he takes the giant Christmas bulb off Snoopy's house, puts it on this little bitty tree. And if you look at the, the imagery, the tree is only about this big and the bulb is this big. So the bulb, he sets it on the tree and immediately the tree just like flounders down and needles fall everywhere. Yeah. And right in that moment, and you could freeze, you can find this on YouTube. You freeze Charlie Brown's face. And it is the the total look of exasperation, of just wanting to give up, of I can't do this anymore. And literally, I think for many, and myself included, we have had moments like that in 2020, maybe even prior to that, where we felt like we can't do this anymore. It's too much. And I think right then is where God is saying no, because what Charlie Brown was missing is he still had that little Christmas tree. His expectations were set. So he had that little Christmas tree that he could have decorated and it just would have been his. And that's what God gave him. God has given us this time now. What are we going to do with it? I mean, I know it's an age old uh, statement, but what are we going to do with it as we plot away on this journey? I think also in that, that whole example, you have Charlie Brown trying to put something on the tree that necessarily doesn't belong on that Ooh, tree. Ooh, that's good. You know, yeah. like that, that bowl might have been great on another tree yes. or something like that, but he was trying to force something to fit somewhere that it wasn't necessarily supposed to fit. Exactly. And if anything, that just even hurt him and broke him even more and also hurt the tree and broke the yeah. tree even more. Yeah. I mean, you know, in that, in that imagery, you know, you have the tree just slunching over. Yes. I think so often we sometimes put on a lot of like, well, uh, this should have happened or this you know um, all the different things like well this person's married by now or this person has a has a job this person has a family this person has uh, people over for the holidays this person has their mom and dad still alive mm -hmm. you know all this other stuff and I think sometimes we start to allow that, that heaviness to be put on us and we start looking to God mm -hmm. and start you know cursing God and yes. saying like where like, are why you? didn't you do yeah. this where are you yeah. Yeah. Where, where are you? You know, like all I want is just like a little tree. And while the Lord is saying like, look, like my grace is sufficient for yes. you in your weakness. Yes. You know, just like he told Paul yes. when, when Paul was saying like, are you going to remove this thorn from my flesh? Like yes. this, this burden that I'm carrying. And Lord, you know, he said three times Paul said, and the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for you in, and in, in your weakness. But yeah. Is, is there any other memory that stands out to you in this, this whole year? <sighs> wow. You know, um, I didn't realize, you know, just even being at home, you know, because obviously we've yeah. all been homebound more, more yeah, so yeah. no matter what our work lives look like, but we've been homebound more. But just how much um, time that I can spend with the Lord, 
You know, like like I, I have time to spend with the Lord. You know, again, yeah. and, and people who are watching, well, you work for Youth for Christ. Of course you've got time. But just, you know, if we just look at our day, having that time to spend with the Lord and and working on ourselves, yeah. you know, but but as I was going to say, uh, bringing uh, just a little levity to it, I also realized how annoying I can be to those around me. Uh, in my household, I didn't realize uh, that I have done something, been married for 13 years now, and there's something that I do that just annoys my wife, and I never knew that it did. So we were in the house one day, and um, this was like right when COVID first hit, and uh, I made something in the microwave, took it out, and you know, I, typically with the microwave, I'll take it out and kind of feel to see if it's enough heat, and then th then I eat it, you know, yeah. provided it is, or else put it back in. Well, I walked away, and my wife kind of let out a, it's like, well, what? So I, you know, I said, what did I do wrong? And I said, what's wrong? And she said, you don't really know, do you? And I said, what? She said, do you ever think about the, the clock on the microwave? Because for 13 years, I've taken stuff out of the microwave and I just leave whatever number is right there yeah, and I yeah, move yeah. on. But she has always gone behind me and reset it. I never knew that. 13 years. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? So, it, you know, it was kind of funny because I learned something about myself. I never knew I did that. Yeah, yeah. And and so it was one of those teachable moments. I said, okay, I'll try to do better. Yeah. But it was, it was really kind of cool because I, I never knew I did that. And I said, so then my next question to her was like, you actually didn't say anything like you do that you just go back and research she's like yeah i just figured you just didn't yeah. notice you know and just the way it is yeah. and so then that brings me to like what are some like underlying things that i need to be doing that i'm not doing simply because i'm in a you know pre-covid and pre all that's been going on in our world simply because i'm in a rush or i got to get to the next thing or even with covid you know or maybe i'm i'm too worried about what's going on in the news you know you and i talked about that earlier you know we have to police ourselves in that respect and be accountable to ourselves but that was just one memory that came to mind yeah. and i laughed about that i was like, I had no idea absolutely none it was just funny to me because i never knew it yeah never knew it yeah this has definitely been the year that we've learned a lot about ourselves <laughs> yes. you know yeah um, good bad and ugly oh, and disgusting gosh. but uh wait let me let me ask yeah, you a question. Yeah, I got a question for you. Yeah. Have you. Have you looked like around your place and noticed things, you know, just being at home, like notice things like either that are out of place or like that need to be cleaned that you otherwise would have noticed, wouldn't have noticed? Yeah, I think dusting has been a big thing. Yes. Um, I think the thing with me and I think just us as humans, I guess we're all different, but I don't know. It, it takes certain things to kind of give me the motivation to do certain things, yes. you know? Yes. And I always just beg God. I'm like, God, you know me inside out. You know my quirks. Like, help me have what it takes to get this stuff yes. done and not just, you know, but I mean, dusting, like I, I recognize that there's a problem <laughs> that I need to dust and then I go out and I'm like, okay, well, I'll buy what I need to dust it. And then it just sits there, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that's something this year that I've realized is like, even when I have the tools to yes. do what needs to be done, I still sometimes don't do it. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, because you were talking about like this year, um, just realizing that like we do have time to, to invest in the Lord and invest in growing in the Word and stuff. Like if I'm being honest, like I struggle, I struggle sometimes with um, like there's, there's certain times where I have that motivation, like God, like I am excited. I want to read. I want to grow. Mm -hmm. I want to, um, you know, I want to pray. I want to, you know, be spirit led today and all this other stuff. But there's other times I'm almost like spiritually apathetic to the Lord of mm -hmm. like, like, God, I know you're there. God, you know, I do, I do love you. I do want to love you more. I do um, want to hear from you today. I do want to be obedient. But at the same time, like when it comes down to doing the things that I know, the disciplines that, right. that, 
you know, or that that can help me hear from him and help me grow and and abide in him. Right. Like I I push it away. So for instance, even right now as we're recording, it's a Friday, and this is this is like my Sabbath. This is my day of rest because on Sundays in ministry you're always yes. running around, yes. so you can't really rest necessarily yes. on on Sunday. But I find myself in this this paradigm, and I think I've really discovered it this year. But like. I go into Friday and instead of truly resting, not just resting in the sense of like mindlessness, mm-hmm. but resting, um, resting in the Lord and resting in obedience and resting just uh, from having to do and produce and to all this right. other stuff. Like I, I find myself like not truly resting. And it's so crazy because I go into Friday like so excited that I get mm-hmm. to rest and, you know, God, I'm able just to like really just abide in you and not always be pouring out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, Fridays are the days I struggle the most to spend time in the word. Mm-hmm. And I know I know what the Bible says. I know that there's a spiritual war going on and, and we never know the word going on above our head and everything. But I, just, I guess I was just going to ask you like um, – like, why do you think that is? Why do you think that uh, we as people, because I'm, I'm sure with you as well that there's been times this year you're like, I know I have time to spend with Jesus, but mm-hmm. I'm not. Yeah. And I'm also I'm also at times apathetic to do something about it. Yes. Like, is, is there anything that you've kind of seen? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's our very culture. You know, we're in a such a conscious culture when it comes to work ethics. You know, so for the for the dad that takes a week long vacation, but the and it's, I've read statistics on this. Once the vacation begins, they don't really start relaxing until two days into the vacation. They get maybe one or two days of genuine vacation, and then their mind starts to reprogram because they got to go back to work on Monday. So, so really, a week's vacation ended up being two days. And I think the same applies to what you're saying about the Sabbath. You, you know, your Sabbath and and all of us having rest time. Um, it's hard. It, we we get apathetic and we think mindless. I'm I'm guilty of the mindlessness. I want to turn my mind off. I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, we're in ministry. So it's like, well, can't that count? No, it doesn't. God got me clearly on that one. It doesn't count just because you're in ministry. Your Sabbath day needs to be time taken for you, you know, in the word, getting close to God. And there needs to be like that recreation. But, you know, there there are also pieces of I found for me, um, you know, and I would suggest it to you and your listeners. Um, structuring it in a way just as you would do like your work that you know on Sunday morning what you have to get done and so structuring your Sabbath and your day off that you want to take have that time with God structuring it in a similar way because our minds are programmed so that we follow similar steps yeah. and I, I almost in, at least in my life and I hope I almost think this for everyone those that familiarity will lead to 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 a great outcome in terms of not struggling as much with the Sabbath. Now I'm talking to the choir right here because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's me. Because you know, with my Sabbath, and you know, obviously you factor in family and family obligations yeah. and friends and things like that. And it's like, oh, I got so much else going on. You know, I just want to collapse in the couch and watch like three hours of TV. Yeah. You know, okay, but how are you going to balance that? Because that's not healthy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you have been a great motivation to me health wise. Because that was an area of my life that I didn't really, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I should be working out, you know, I should get that together. And when it's warm, and you've noticed this about me, when it's like spring or summer, we are jammed. Yeah, yeah. But the minute winter hits and it's cold outside, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, you know, even if it's walking around the house, and that's, I've been trying to do that. But I, I just think the more routine we can build in, and I'm not perfect at that at all. Yeah, yeah. 
um, and, and, and even the familiarity to what your normal schedule is, I, it's, it's an extra pain because it feels like you're working again, yeah. but in essence, you're working for you. I shared with you earlier, actually joined a Bible study. And this is the first Bible study in maybe 10 years, at least, that I have been in for me. It isn't so that I can plan for Youth for Christ. It isn't so that I can plan for a sermon I'm preaching. This is a Bible study for me with a lot of people I just don't know well. And it has been utterly amazing because now they've gotten to know me, I've gotten to know them, and I'm getting deeper in the word. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, they've, they've had some events outside of the Bible. So it's been great because these are otherwise people I would have never met. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's, it's part, I knew that I needed that for my spiritual journey. And I think we all have to have that time of rest. And just because we're off work, oh, I'm going to say this. this. I don't know if this performs the Holy Spirit. Just because we're off work doesn't mean we're resting. Yeah. You know, we may not be at our place of vocation, but are we resting in the Lord? I'm not talking about sleeping. Are we resting in the Lord? Are we resting, you know, physically? That's important. You know, even mentally, are we, what are we putting into ourselves? And I was so guilty of popping in front of the TV and just yeah, yeah. practically letting it watch me, not yeah, watching yeah. it. It's watching me. I'm just sitting yeah, there, yeah. you know, so yeah. What would you say, I guess, as we wrap up, what would you say to yourself at the beginning of this year? Oh. If you, you're standing at the very end of this year for the most part, I mean, anything can happen. Oh anything gosh. can happen in these last, like, I guess, like yeah, three we got, weeks. We got three more yeah, weeks. Yeah, we got three more Careful, weeks. Careful, Yeah, we're not done yet, but it, it, we're looking back yes. as Jason walking mm -hmm. into 2020, it, it's really funny, randomly, like, 2020, you know, especially in ministry, the whole buzzword was like vision, 2020 vision, you know, you know, and it's so little did we know. Yeah, little did we know, you know, yeah, having vision on Jesus. Yeah, that was actually apart. our thing for Youth for Christ also. Like it was oh, all over the place. We were okay. playing, What's your vision? And we yeah. had a whole uh, yeah. uh, visual for that. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to 2020 vision, Jason, oh now that you're at the very, towards the very end of 2020, what, what, what is something that you can think of that you would say um, to yourself? Kind of the two things they both piggyback, yeah. uh, expect the unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this will probably only apply for me. I don't know if, if yeah, anybody yeah. else can relate to this, but it's going to be like a comic book. Because 2020 has very much been like that. But ex be prepared for the unexpected. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a very big creature of habit. And, and I, I like habits. And yeah. when things interrupt those processes, I, I kind of, sh yeah. you know, I shrink up a little bit and then I get okay. But yeah, the, expect the unexpected. Um, that would be the thing I would say to Jason in yeah. January of 2020. Yeah. And buy toilet paper. No, I'm just yeah, buy, buy toilet yeah. paper. Yeah, stock up. Get some, get some stocks. What about you, Joan? I'm curious. What do you yeah. think? What I, about for you? I was thinking about that. I'm glad you asked. Um, I would say life is a vapor. Yeah. That is something that I, I would have, uh, I, I think I need to remind myself often, especially yes. at the beginning of this year, life is a vapor, um, not to take things for granted, not to uh, assume, you know, even in our local church, we've had people pass away from COVID. Mm -hmm. We've had, um, you know, unexpected, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's, I think with death, it's crazy because all death has a sting to it. But there's some death that's so unexpected, it's just like the bottom fell out. Right. There's some right. death that is like, okay, well, good. Like, it, uh, not good, but it's... It's, it's peaceful. It's time. Yeah, yeah it's, it's time. It's time. Uh, there's a celebrate peace about that life. This. Yeah, celebrate the life. Um, and this year's just been all of it, yeah. you know? And then even with uh, everything going on as a nation and just the crap, you yes. know? It, I don't know what other word to say. Just crap. Like, it's so much of the broken human condition has been yes. on 4K, you yes. know, um, just 60 frames per second yes. all year. Yes. Um, 
and just the, the vaporness of life and to not get so distracted uh, by the smoke and mirrors. Um, so I think that's something, I mean, even going to 2021, 20, that's something. You know, and, and here's the thing. I just, yeah. this is last thing. Um, it's fascinating to me because, you know, we have such hopes for 2021. Yeah. But see, I would say the same thing to, to you know, end of 2020 going into 2021, Jason. Expect the unexpected. Yeah. You know, because you people, we just got to get rid of 2020. We got to get away. And I get it. But you know what? You know, when you've gone through a trial, you know, what are we learning from this? Not only about ourselves, but our faith in God, mm -hmm. ultimately. Yeah. You know, and so don't just assume 2020 is going to be pie in the sky. Yeah. Be, you know, just yeah. again, are you going to trust God if if the if the uh, roller coaster begins going up again? Yeah. Are we going to trust God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the very last question, going off of that last question I just asked you, uh, what would you tell nine year old oh, Jason gosh. in his room reading his comic books <laughs> oh, because he's goodness. trying to learn how to read, um, not knowing what's going to happen with mom, not not knowing what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Um, I know you've shared with me before. You didn't really talk about it this podcast, but. Uh, the um, I think, you know, you've you've shared with me just the the lack of friends and the lack oh, yeah. of you know very isolated, very lonely, yeah. um, and and part of it is my my heart really reaches out to those lost students that we come in contact with simply because I want them to know they're loved, mm -hmm. um, and I I think that would kind of puts into a capsule the statement I would say to nine year old Jason, and that is, um, you're gonna be okay. And I know that sounds so trite, yeah, yeah. but I think that's what I wanted to know as, at nine years old. And m to be honest, most of my teenage life is that, am I going to be okay? And, 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 and when I say okay, I don't mean, you know, am I going to be physically wealthy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm thinking more so in the Lord and, and who I am as a identity. person. I did, yeah, there it is, identity. Um, I'm going to be okay. And I would say that to say, you're going to be okay. So I would crank up that DeLorean and go back and tell them, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, that's a great question, John. Yeah, okay, you know you got to answer that yeah. now too. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. I. Um, nine-year-old Jonah. Yeah, nine-year-old Jonah. I was uh, playing a lot of video games, uh, playing with my uh, siblings, uh, living in Liberty, South Carolina. I would, um, yeah, don't lose that innocence. Yeah. Don't lose that wonder. Um I would definitely tell myself about Jesus that Jesus isn't just the cliches. He isn't just what you hear in church. Like he's a living, yes. active, breathing, you know, God. Yes. <laughs> and um, that he is in pursuit of your heart. Um, I'm a pursuer by nature, even mm -hmm. as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and I I always had really good intentions. I always didn't come out good, mm -hmm. you know. The so delivery, I, yeah, 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 the delivery yeah. would never uh, seem to hit. Even now, sometimes I struggle with it. But like my my heart was always there. I always wanted. I always wanted. I wanted the best, you know, uh, not only for others but myself as well. Um, but like it, it just, I always felt misunderstood, confused. Mm -hmm. I. I think what hit me when I came to Christ was Psalms 139, uh, 23-24, uh, where David cries out, he says, uh, Search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way. So I would tell uh, little nine-year-old Jonah that there is a God, his name is Jesus, mm -hmm. and he knows you. He cares about those anxious thoughts, the, wow. those times you sleep and you just cry yeah. at night, you know, because of what's going on with mom and dad or, or y your world. 
um, that he knows, he cares, um, and he searches. He cares about your heart. He knows your heart. Mm-hmm. He hears your heart. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's not like he, you know, he's on the brunt of of my good intentions, and he's like, "Man, you suck." Like right. he knows what those good inten- or even those bad intentions are stemming from. He That's knows good. the root. That's powerful. You know, that's and, powerful. Yeah, like, and and everybody around me, I felt like they didn't really see the root, but. To just, I wish I would have known that God knows the root and He cares about the root, and He and He wants to address the root. Yes. You know, where everybody else is shallow in the sense that they they only kind of want to see you from what they want to see you as. Right. Right. Uh, God sees me as I am. Yes. Um. So. That's good. Yeah. Didn't mean to preach a sermon. No, that was awesome. I received yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But um. But hey, I, I wrapping up. Um, Jason, can you do us the honors and uh, and pray? Uh, and not only pray for us, but pray for those that are listening Absolutely. or watching this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being. Here. Thank you. So I, I would love to come back again. I enjoyed this time. This is great, man. Yeah. And bless your ministry here, Jonah. It's amazing. Yeah, amazing. We're in this together, man. I love it when you say that. We're yeah. in this together. Yes. Yeah. Let's pray, Lord. I just thank you for today. Thank you for this time that we could share together, Lord. I thank you as we talk about our journey. Um, as we talk about just how amazing you are, Romans 12, 12 tells us joyful in hope, patient in affliction, Lord. And I just pray right now um, that you would bless all that have heard today, that it would just give you glory. Anything that hasn't given you glory, let it slough away, but it would give you glory, Lord. And those that are hearing right now, that they would know that they are loved. I thank you for Jonah. I thank you for his ministry, all he does for Youth for Christ East Michigan. And I ask that you will continue to bless and keep him, Lord. I pray that all those who are hearing us here right now would just have an amazing and a very Merry Christmas and welcome in 2021 in the best way possible. And that's with you as as our leader, Lord. Once again, we love you, Lord. In your son, we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Love you guys. Awesome. Well, that was great, oh, man. That was oh, great. Man. Dude, dude, this was awesome. Yeah.